Chapter 77 The Anger and the Goodness Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the burning of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken up by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. Nahum 1 6 7. Throughout this chapter, and especially in these verses, let us note these two things first, Jehovah's anger, and second, Jehovah's goodness. They stand out very strongly in this burden. 1. Jehovah's anger. First, it is real. There is such a thing as anger in God. There are many expressions used concerning it, both in this chapter and elsewhere jealousy, vengeance, fury, wrath, all to indicate its existence and to show us that the human theories of divine universal benevolence are not true. They are being got up for a purpose. That purpose is to persuade the sinner's own conscience that he does not need to be alarmed because of his guilt, and that no one needs to dread the infliction of punishment except perhaps a few of the most wicked of our race. But God's words are not exaggerations, nor words of methodology. There is a terrible truth contained in these oft-repeated words of Scripture, His anger was kindled. Numbers 11, 1. As loving and gracious as Jehovah is, His anger is real. When Jesus comes the second time, He comes to take vengeance. Jeremiah 50, 15. Second, it is righteous. It is not the rage of selfishness, passion, or affront. It is judicial anger, the anger of the righteous judge. It is anger against sin and against the sinner, anger because of insulted law and dishonored righteousness. Nothing in it is unjust, cruel, or arbitrary. Then the condemned soul will be compelled hereafter to say it was right and just. It will be right and just to all eternity. Third, it is terrible. Though calm, it is unutterably awful, indeed overwhelming. No power and no numbers will be able to stand before it. It will sweep everything before it like a whirlwind. The expulsion from paradise, the flood, the ruin of Sodom are examples of its terribleness. The lost soul will be utterly overwhelmed. And fourth, it is unstoppable. Nothing will turn it aside or soften it when once it is kindled. The punishment of eternal fire, Jude verse 7. Their worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched, Mark 9 44. These are awful words. No bribery, argument, nor influence will prevail, nor pity to the poor soul. God will forget to be gracious. Repentance will be hidden from his eyes. O anger of Jehovah, how real, how righteous, how terrible, how unstoppable! Yet let me say one thing. If you should be one of the eternally lost, and if you should, in the course of your weary and tormented eternity, say to yourself, O that God were not so just, then think what a wish that would be for yourself. Your security against unjust and overly severe punishment is that very justice against which you petition. Bad as your case may be at the hands of a just God, it would be unspeakably worse at the hands of an unjust God. 
The anger of a righteous God is no doubt terrible, but the unbridled fury of an unrighteous God is something too horrible even to think upon. And two, Jehovah's goodness. He is good, and He does good. He is kind to the unthankful and the unworthy. God is love. God loves the sinner. First, His goodness is sincere. He does not utter words of methodology, nor pretend to have feelings that are not in Him. His words mean just what they say. His deeds mean just what they indicate. The works of His hands have a most substantial and authentic expression of goodness. God is not a man that He should lie, Numbers 23, 19, either in His words of goodness or of anger. Second, it is powerful. It is almighty goodness. He is able to deliver those whom He loves. Their interests are safe in His hands. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. Nahum 1 3. Who can withstand his love? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Romans 8 33 34. Third, it is watchful. His eye is on us at all times, especially in the day of trouble. His is a watchful goodness. His is the unsleeping eye and the untiring hand. He is not weary of blessing. He delights in opportunities for pouring out His love, and our extremities are His opportunities. And fourth, it is unchanging. Like Himself, His goodness is without variableness, not ebbing and flowing, but always flowing. His heart is the heart of the unchangeable one. Not like the tides or the seasons, but like the sky above us, always one calm arch of gentle, loving azure. Embracing earth. Such is the God with whom we have to do. He is righteous and cannot allow sin to go uncondemned and unpunished. Yet he is good and gracious, not willing to destroy or to take vengeance. A God before whom the sinner may tremble, a God in whom the chief of sinners may find forgiveness. I remind you of two passages that will form the practical improvement of all I have said. 1. The great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Revelation 6.17. It has not come yet, but it is coming. Judgment does not linger, damnation does not slumber. It will be a day of terror for the sinner when the pent-up wrath of God will pour itself out not in seven vials or seventy times seven, but in an eternity of vials without number. And 2. The Lord is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 9. Such is his goodness now. He is rich in mercy. His patience is beyond all conception or measure. In his long suffering there is salvation, salvation to the uttermost. He pities, yearns, pleads, implores, spares, prolongs the day of grace, and presents pardon, salvation, and life to the ungodliest, freely, yes, freely to the last. Let this long-suffering goodness draw us, melt us, awaken confidence, and win us to love.